Amazing. Um, thanks for coming, everyone. Um, this is great. Great to see everybody. Um, yeah, where to start? My name's, my name's Rich. If you've not met, met you before. Um, uh, yeah, so um, hands up if you were at the Song Summit. The elite, the veterans, they've been here longer than everyone else. They smell worse than all of us. Um, uh, great. And so, who writes songs here? Let's see a show of hands. Who writes songs? Uh, amazing. And who writes songs but didn't put their hand up because they embarrassed to say that they actually write songs? <laughs> yes. Yeah, we got one there. Amazing. Um, yeah, so I'm just going to share a few thoughts um, on songwriting as a church. Something I love to do, something I'm passionate about. Um, I don't know if I have all the answers. I feel like I'm just getting started on writing songs for the church. Um, but would love to just questions at the end, or if anyone's got any reflections or thoughts and ideas, do throw them in the mix. Um, let's sort of be as interactive as possible, and I'll try and make sense out of a few thoughts. Um, is that cool? Yeah. Might play a few songs along the way. If that's all right. Yeah, great. So let's let's just pray uh, before we do anything else. Yeah, Father God, we thank you uh, that you are the author and the perfecter of our faith. Thank you, you're the author that you wrote before uh, time began. And uh, yeah, Psalm 8 says that your name, your, your majestic name fills the whole earth and it is written in and through each and every one of us. Through all creation, your name fills the whole earth. So God, we pray that you give us the gift of being able to translate that into a language that we can understand, into music that can awaken hearts, uh, that it can open eyes to who you are, and Father, that we'd be able to serve the church um, in the best way that we can. In Jesus' name. Amen. Um, awesome. So, a few thoughts. Why do we, why do we write songs? Um, has anybody seen The Shadowlands, film about C.S. Lewis? Nobody's seen it? Literally nobody's seen that film. <laughs> One over there. Um, there's this great... It's all about C.S. Lewis, um, and he's at the university, and he's got this sort of angsty student that he's teaching. Um, and the student... He has this argument with the student, because C.S. Lewis is very clear about why you know, literature exists. And the guy comes to him and he says, we read to know that we're not alone. And that really becomes a mantra for like C.S. Lewis in the film. I don't know if it's a real life, but we read to know that we're not alone. And so for me, that's, that's the heart of writing. Why do we write? We write to let people know that they're not alone. That's the other side of the coin. Um, and I think um, uh, just be, you know, at, the, at the outset... And I said this the other day, like, chances are you're at this conference because you have a gift or a heart in musical worship, musical ability that pe most people don't have. You have a gift that most people in your church don't have. If you've written a song, most people don't know how to do that. Um, so you can give them a song. You know, in a way that they can't can't do that for themselves. So we write to to let people know that they're they're not alone. And just at the outset, empathy is absolutely crucial to everything that we're doing with songwriting. It's climbing into other people's story and writing a redemptive, finding what's the redemptive vein of gold in in whatever's going on. And so that's something really on my heart that's super uh, passionate about is just writing songs for other people. Um, you know, the Bible's full of personal songs, but it's also songs written for other people. Um, I know I've had times in my life, and I hope you have too, when you've heard a song and it's said everything that you've needed to say in a way that you didn't know how to say it. And then normally I just start crying, um, yeah. you know, and put it on repeat, and then eventually maybe start to feel better um, about, about life. But 
that's really what we can do with songs. The power of music is unbelievable. Um, has everybody had that experience? A song has just so, yeah. totally knocked you flat and been like, hey, that's my story. Um, and it makes us feel like we're not alone, doesn't it? Someone else has, has experienced that or, or seen that and understood it enough to put it into song. Um, so um, just, yeah, having a heart for empathy. And I think the plumb line for everything we do in worship in general, but particularly with songwriting, has to be to serve. Yeah, that's what We're not here to be served, we're here to serve others. And so when we're writing, you know, let's not make the, the main goal of writing songs, I've just got to express myself. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. But let's, you know, let's go a step further. You know, our, our church needs to express themselves. Our family needs to express themselves through, you know, maybe there's been a, a tragedy in the church or an incredible joy broken out because of miraculous provision or, you know, <coughs> both all, all sides of the spectrum of human experience. Being able to give people a song for that is just amazing. Um, it's, a, it's a gift. Um, yeah, so empathy. Um, you know, where, where we're at now, um, we were talking about this a bit over the breakfast, uh, me and Nathan, but, um, you know, we've been through, we've lost so much during COVID, so much has died, and some of that has started to be resurrected. Um, but the resurrected form doesn't always look the same. Um, and sometimes we need to adjust our expectations to be able to recognize Jesus in the new form. Um, so Ronald Rollheiser, um, amazing author, so he, he, he identified these five stages in the death and resurrection of Jesus. Um, this is going to make sense in terms of songwriting in a minute. But, um, you know, first you have the death at Good Friday, the grief and the loss. Um, the new life at Resurrection on Easter Sunday. And then there's 40 days where the, the disciples are grieving the, the old and adjusting to their new expectations to Jesus. This is a weird Jesus. He walks through walls now. He didn't do that before. You know, there was, He was different. They didn't recognize him on the road to Emmaus. They had to adjust their expectations. Um, so another stage is letting go of him. Uh, so that was Mary in the garden, but also the disciples at the ascension. They had to let go of Jesus as he was. And it all leads towards the, the final stage of Pentecost. Um, and so Rollheiser talks about how we need to be able to grieve and adjust our expectations and let go in order to receive the spirit of Pentecost for the new age that we're in. And guys, we need to do that with our songs. We need to write songs that can lead people through that journey. So whether it's lamenting what's been lost, whether it's sort of adjusting expectations, giving new language to new experience, new expressions of worship, you know, whether it's letting go of pain and walking through that forgiveness process, um, songs can really do that in a powerful way. Um, and, and it's all unto the joy of Pentecost. So the, the thing that we were talking about this morning was like, um, you can have somebody who's in their 70s. Is there anybody in their 70s? 60s, 70s, 50s, 60s? Yes. Amazing. Thank you that you're here. We need you. We need you. We need your worship. We need your wisdom. We need your life, your energy. Um, you are as vital to vineyard worship as any of the young fellows, girls here. Um, but Rollheiser talks about how the need to go through that process in every season of life. So you can be a 70-year-old and all you are is just bitter that you've lost your youth and you can't do all the things that you used to do. If you haven't grieved the process of losing youth and adjusted to the new season, you won't receive the joy of the now. Um, so it's a bit, it's a bit tan tangential, but in terms of songs that help people through that process. So whether it's writing a lament or a song of joy for the Pentecost moment, because I believe that's what we're on the brink of, you know, corporately, about to be an incredible outpouring of the Spirit. 
in our time. God, let it be. Um, we need songs for that. Um, songs will come out of that. Um, but we need it, you know. Um, we need to be ready to write those songs. Um, so, yeah. Um, yeah. I was thinking the other day, I shared this the other day about how, what do writers do? Writers make correspondence. Co-responding to one another and to God. It's that, it's that simple. It's responding to what's happening in your church, in your life, in the lives of others. Um, and that it, you know, it's easy to have a tendency to write reactionary songs. Do you know how many people, and we've all done this, have been able to say yeah, this and this and this and this is wrong with the church or with worship or with how we do things but who's writing correspondence responding to what's happening in a, in a way that is productive it's fruitful and it's doing that creative thing of recognising the new um, that's the challenge I have that challenge all the time because it's so easy isn't it to just be like bam 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 that all sucks um, you know, um, you know, and what? Yeah, worship is also a dialogue. It's um, it's creating meaning through a conversation, and I think that's that's where songwriting as a church is actually really um, challenging and powerful. Uh, that it's through conversations that we have ideas and we turn them into songs. Um, uh, yeah. Um, yeah I just want to share I, I, I know guys sorry he was at the summit I want to share this the other day because um, I think it's an important thing that we grapple with um, who knows anything about uh, actually if you're at the song summit you know I have to put your hands up but <laughs> <laughs> the council of Laodicea in 360 something AD um, canon number 15 30 leaders got together and they influenced worship for a thousand years in the church. And what they decided, what they decreed, is that congregational singing was banned. Which is like crazy. For 1100 years, the congregation didn't sing. Isn't that mad? Isn't that crazy? Only the elected priests and the choirs could sing. In church, I mean, obviously, you know, it's a bit like um, I think of Sister Maria on Sound of Music. She's sneaking out to the hills. I'm sure they did that, but uh, in terms of in church together as collective worship, you know, the congregation couldn't sing. But now, like everything that we do in terms of our worship conferences or our teaching, the way that we write songs is geared towards how do we enable as many people as possible to engage in participating in worship and singing. Um, and I, 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 yeah, it just blows my mind. So the you know a few things that come out of that for me is, um, you know, firstly, it is possible to have a vibrant, active, living, powerful faith in Christ without singing together. Um, what happened in COVID? It wasn't unprecedented. <laughs> we had eleven hundred years of people not being able to sing together. Um, and I, you know, a little bit of my soul died every time we had to go into church and not be able to sing songs. I don't know, did everyone else have that? Because it's such a part of our rhythm and who we are, the culture that we're a part of. Um, and I believe it's necessary, it's powerful, we need it, we need to sing as a congregation. But just to sort of shake that sacred cow tree or whatever you, you want to call it, of congregational singing is a, is a privilege and it's a gift that we should be thankful for. But it's maybe not essential um, in the ways that we've perhaps thought it is. You know, God is the one that moves. He doesn't move because we sing a particular song in a particular way. He's, he's God. He'll do what he wants to do. Uh, he loves to partner with us. Um, but just to sort of rebalance some of that, it's not like when I sing this, you're going to do that. No. Just stop writing those songs. God is God. He'll come when He comes. He'll do what He wants to do. We can say yes to Him. We can invite Him. We can long for Him. But it's not because I'm singing this song that this is going to happen. Um, 
I don't know. And, and it will probably rebalance in terms of... I hope there's nuance in that. Don't, don't, I don't want to bash it on the head with that. Um, but, yeah, I think the other thing... Um, the other thing out of that, in terms of these, the, for 1,100 years, the congregation were able to partake in worship, but they weren't able to participate in it. And the highest form of worship for the majority of Christian history, which is part of who we are, is, has been the Eucharist, <laughs> been the take, partaking in the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Um, and, and it's not been the ministry time or, you know, Waymaker or whatever it is. Like, <laughs> you, know, um, you know, and that doesn't mean that, that that's, not, that's not important to us, but it just, it's just good to remember that, isn't it? It sort of have right relationship with all these things that we do um, and then the other thing just just in that and then please hear this with a lot of a lot of nuance and caveats um, but have we forgotten how to partake in worship how to receive from God without singing you know and and I think of like some beautiful choral music that I've heard I've not got a cat's chance in hell of singing it <laughs> I can't read music I've got no idea how to how to do that but it can minister to my soul in an incredible way or you know whether it's yeah, tell you what every time Tori Kelly opens her mouth God is on on her she's working through her she's an incredible singer um, has anyone seen sing yeah I, t- I mean I cry when she sings happy birthday in that song it's like <laughs> it's amazing but it's that, it's that partaking side of songwriting, and, and I think that's the, that's the challenge to us as writers, is like, if we're only writing songs to be sung collectively, congregationally, I feel like we could lose an, a whole breadth of music that would nourish the soul, that it would give life to the body. Um, so let's write both, hey? Mm-hmm. Is that good? You know, and then I know in my experience and in our church, some people are really good at writing singer-songwriter songs, and dreadful at writing congregational, you know, collective worship songs, and vice versa. Um, and that's okay. But I think as as leaders and as writers, let's just encourage it all, um, and and be aware of the the forms that we're that we're in. I, I you know, on a Sunday, if you've got twenty five minutes. Like, let's serve the church. If if our mindset is I need to get my new song out, we're getting it wrong. Who's being served in that scenario? But if the mindset is, you know, our church is, needs this message today, and actually this song that God's given you, that people can participate in, you know, is is exactly what they need. Then then just thinking about it that way. Um, yeah does that make sense mm-hmm. um, and then um, uh, I don't want to go on for too long um, but um, one of the things that I love to do uh, and this is like a real like Covid resurrection for me, thinking again about Rollheiser a lot of stuff died Certain things got resurrected. So, in, in for me personally, it was writing songs for other people, um, and uh, you know, doing that as a church, as an activity. Has it? Has anyone ever done that? Written a song specifically for someone else? Yeah, a couple of hands. How? How? What happened? <coughs> Did they say thanks very much? I hate you. Don't ever do that again. <laughs> I didn't tell them. You didn't tell them. Okay. I, Emily? I, I, sent, I sent the lyrics um, to someone who I'd written a song that influenced by, and um, it, was, it was over Facebook Messenger, and she was crying, I was crying, because she, she said she was crying. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, she felt seen. She yeah. felt seen, and she hadn't felt seen for a while. Wow. Powerful, actually. Yeah. Yeah, with us in our church, um, good friends of ours lost. Uh, a baby a few years ago um, and he was born the same year as our second son and he died when he was five weeks old and I'd been wrestling just with my own stuff in dealing with all of this 
and wrote this a lament from our own heart but kind of from their perspective and sent it to her and that has been like an anchoring like giving words to yeah. to her for yeah. for the pain that she's walked through. Wow. Which is just amazing mm-hmm. to be yeah. able to give that gift to someone. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. Yeah. I had a similar thing in a church yes it was this Church of England church and our vicar they lost their child at birth and uh, I felt called to then write a song about that and uh, that was we, we played that as, as part of the worship. Wow! For that time, and uh, yeah. it was just for that season. Yeah. yeah. Goodness me, it's a beautiful thing. I think, like what Emily was saying, like people feel heard and they feel seen and 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 loved in an extraordinary way. And again, it's that we have this gift. Presumably, if you're in this room, you have like, the gift of songwriting. You have the de- desire for that gift. You know, I, I'm not. I, I'm not able to sort of. I don't even know how to write songs. So, like, Google it. Um, <laughs> it. But we all have a gift, a measure of a gift, to be able to give away to people. But I think the thing, um, you know, David White says that beauty is the reward of presence. Like, beauty is the reward of presence. If we're present with people and we're listening when they're sharing their, their stories with us, if we're standing with them in moments of pain, it will give us so much ammo for songwriting. Um, you know, and yeah. Um, I think it I might play you a song. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Um, this might be a little bit awkward, but. Um, is that okay? Yeah. yeah. Um, we'll make it work. I'm just wondering if I should stop this recording. Um, it's um, so I wrote this for friends who. I'm going to stop the recording. Um, thanks. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> sorry. I write a lot of sad songs. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I send that. <laughs> so I send that to these friends, and they they basically just played it like a hundred million times, and and for her as well, because the final verse is to their daughter, and it's like, don't worry about your mum and dad, because I'm also watching over them. Like guys, we can do this in our churches. We can write songs for each other, and I've sent him that song. Probably no one outside of this room is ever going to hear that song again. Maybe one day, but like it doesn't have to be recorded and CCLI hit for it to be creative, to be encouraging, for it to be life-giving, to be nourishing. Um, we can do that, um, you know. And yeah. Um, so God, uh, let's just pray. Father, I pray that you would give us all that gift to be able to write songs for people in pain. That we would give hope, encouragement, and joy, and peace, and life. Um, God, that we'd be able to find the redemptive vein of gold and uh, remind people of who you are, what you've done in the past, so that they can have confidence of what you're going to do tomorrow, today, right here and right now. So God, I pray for that gift. I pray that you give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Uh, that we would know what it means to care for one another in song. Um, and yeah. Amen. Um, I, I think we should do some questions in a minute, if, if that's cool. Or, you know, just maybe a time of just sharing. But um, just want to chat really quickly about congregational stuff and co-writing because I'm probably that's probably why you came here (laughs) sorry Um, (laughs) um, you know a lot I I meet I you know I I meet a lot of people who've written one or two songs and most people who play an instrument have written a song they've maybe written two songs the guys who are really good at writing songs um, 
out in Nashville, they can bash them out like three a day, five a day, and they're all really, really good. Um, but they've written a lot. And so I just, just was like, if you want to create a culture of writing songs, just write a lot. It's that simple. The more you write, the better they're going to get. You know, and, and from my experience, I remember I you know, was just starting out congregational song, songwriting probably about seven, eight, maybe more like ten years ago. Having, <laughs> all I used to write was more like that kind of singer-songwriter-y stuff. Um, but I remember it, first got Kingdom Come. Uh, I got to lay your kingdom come. Yeah, where we and we were going to put it on the KXC um, recording thing. Um, and I didn't want anybody to change anything about it. Um, but the, but uh, I gradually sort of, he was, the producer was able to slowly prise my fingers off it <laughs> and make it ten times better. Um, but the experience of like now I've written a lot more and I try and write as much as I can. You, you hold songs much more lightly when you have lots of them. Um, there are, will always be songs that are completely precious to you because they've come out of an experience or a moment or you know, God's spoken to you and you've put it to a melody um, and by all means sort of fight for the heart of the song um, but just to say the more you write the, the, the more likely you can hold it up and just offer them up to, to each other to the church and if they don't like it that's okay, you know, because it's not, it might be for them, it might just be for you. There's a song for every day. Um, you know, we just need to keep writing, write lots. Um, and um, and then I also think, like, my experience of songwriting, tongue, songs take time to develop. Um, I remember Ed O'Brien from Radiohead um, talking about the six stages of creativity. Has everyone heard this before? Um, uh, he talks about how you write something. So stage one, this is amazing. This is the best song I've ever written. <laughs> stage two, uh, oh, it, it was good, but I'm not quite so sure about it. Um, stage three, and I'm going to use a different word to what he uses. Um, this is crap. <laughs> stage four, uh, crucial, and we're all very familiar with this stage. I'm crap. I'm never going to write again. This is dreadful. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, stage five is like, this is okay. And then stage six is when, once you've been through that process, you can learn to live with the imperfections and the tensions of it. And it's that same process that, that Roll Heiser was talking about, the death and resurrection of songs. A seed falls into the ground and dies, and then it becomes much more fruitful. I, has anybody had that with a song? I've had that with pretty much every song that I've ever sung in like, congregationally. It's that a song has been dead to me. I hate the song. I never want to hear it ever again. And then I have one sort of melody tweak or one line, and it comes back to life. It's amazing. I love it again. Um, so just just take time. Don't rush it. We're not in a hurry. Um, there's a song for every day, but there's also just take time to craft. Um, and just on that, like a lot of people have spontaneous songs that come out. And, um, you know, the spontaneous is not always prophetic. It's as often it's an expression of the self as it is an expression of the voice of God, which is the prophetic. And that's okay. Um, but also the prophetic is not always spontaneous. But pretty much, I, I probably, I don't know, an expert in the Bible, but almost every single prophetic piece of literature in the Bible is not spontaneous. It's been absolutely meticulously crafted. So if you look in the, in the grammar, in the use of language, the shape of the passages... It's, all of it is communicating the same message. And so that, that's, you know, one of my mantras is like, if you have something worth saying, then it's worth saying it well. It's worth taking the time to craft it. And the real skill, I think, in songwriting is, is to 
um, if you have a spontaneous thing that is prophetic, to not lose that prophetic voice in the process of rewriting. Um, and I think, I don't know, I really have any keys for how to do that other than listen to the Spirit. Do it all with the Spirit. Rewrite with the Spirit. Draft it with the Spirit. Um, and fight for what you feel is the heart behind the song, the prophetic heart behind the song. What does God want to, you to say through this song? Um, fight for that. Because particularly in church and co-writing um, you know, context, sometimes that can be, you do need to fight for that sometimes. Because someone comes with another idea that's completely saying literally the opposite. <laughs> um, you know, fight for it. And uh, yeah. So write lots. Writing together. I just want to say this, like, uh, co-writing is a massive thing in the church these days, particularly with congregational stuff. It's not for everyone. And that's okay. Um, also, like, some people you will write together with and it will be amazing and you have this incredible sort of musical connection and with other people it's like the worst experience of your whole entire life <laughs> has everybody had that experience um, and just to say that's okay it's like, so just find people that you can write together with and maybe don't write with people who make you want to die <laughs> um, <laughs> is that um, is that all right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but that that said, I I do think it is it is powerful as a church to come together with the musicians and say, you know, God has been doing X Y Z in our church. How can we turn that into a song? Or, you know, our pastors have been preaching on this. How can we turn that into a song? Um, in our church in KXC, every season of the church has been accompanied by songs that have basically plagiarised the sermons. <laughs> and uh, yeah, like we, we've got a song called All Things New. Not my lyrics. I mean, it's from the Bible, obviously. But it, Pete, every Sunday, would be talking about make God making all things new. Um, you know, and early on, there's a song called The Father's... Father's Love, I think it is. But Tom, uh, worship pastor at KXC, he wrote that song, again, completely out of the experience of the church. Um, and I feel like you can do that together it's much better than you can on your own. Um, yeah. Um, and then keep verbalising like the vulnerability of writing together. I know that like every time I've done co-writing, somebody's already said that. But I do feel it is important to keep saying that, that it's an incredibly vulnerable experience. Um, and to pray before, after, in the middle um, of songwriting, that process, and just keep checking in with each other. Because it's fine for us to write songs for other people in that way, and that, but if we're not doing it in the process of writing as well, then we're kind of shooting ourselves in the face. Um, don't do that either. Um, yeah. And I think just on that, like, celebrating people's songs, like, we did the Song Summit, like, how much everybody celebrated everyone else's songs. Um, the Kangaroo song, Genius. Yeah. Um, you know, it was... How's it go? Sorry. But it's such a good song. It's in our heads. It's been in our heads for the last two days. Um, but, like, the, you know... Yeah, nobody will sing your songs as passionately as you. Um, but we can actually do that for each other. So if someone else in your church has written a wicked song, sing it. You know, sing it. And it will really bless them, it will encourage them. If, you, if you're, like, saying, that song I feel is good enough. I mean, only if it's good, right? <laughs> if it's a really bad song. And that, that for me, is always the... the the plumb line of like congregational songwriting. I feel like there's value in every song, but a song for congregational worship. Some of them work better than others, right? That's okay. And there's loads of people who've done loads of talks on how to do that. And again, Google it. Um, but like, yeah. My plumb line is, if I've written a song, it's like, do I want to sing this next Sunday? 
And if not, then keep working on it. I don't know. I don't know if that. I don't know if that's a good thing or not. I mean, and maybe keep working on it by in the process of playing it in church. That's all right to do it and then rewrite it. But yeah. Cool. Um, yeah. Coming back to where we started, empathy, a heart to serve. Don't ever lose that. I think that for us as musicians and songwriters is uniquely challenging because of the relationship between music and celebrity in the world. For us to translate that into the same when we have Spotify and numbers and all of that and stages and you know, for us to lose the fact that what we're doing is we're serving. Um, you know, I, I absolutely loved worship this morning. I was at the back with Lydia and I couldn't see Olu. It was awesome. Because <laughs> everyone was standing up. I don't know if you've, anyone stood at the back. It's like I couldn't see any of the band. But I could hear hundreds of people worshipping and it was amazing. Um, but just remembering that that's in writing as well, that that's our call. It's not just limited to worship reading, it's in writing. Our first call is to be servants of, of everyone. Um, cool. I've been blabbering on a lot. Has anyone got any questions? I can sing you some more songs if you want. But, yeah. I've got a comment and yeah. encouragement. Yeah, please. Um, so at the Song Summit you were speaking about remembering. Yeah. And I just remembered how the Lord had spoken to me a few years ago when I was reading Joshua 4 about when the Israelites actually crossed into the Promised Land and Joshua, had the, the Ark of the Covenant had gone ahead and split the sea, the Jordan River. And when they got to the other side, the Lord asked him to send one person from each tribe to the middle mm. to fetch a rock and to bring it to the other side mm. and to build an altar of remembrance. Mm. And I felt the Lord speaking so clearly to me then about my songs and like our songs being those altars of remembrance for people wow. to be able to look back on and remember, okay, this is what the Lord did then. Wow. And it's such an encouragement to go like, those things stand the test of time. Yeah. And yeah. in the Bible, it says that that altar is still there, wow. which is just incredible. Goodness. <laughs> Did they take the stones out of the river or across the river? From, From the, the middle of the river where they crossed. It's a bit like David, isn't it? Yeah. Took his stones out of the river. Yeah. <laughs> From the thick of everything that you've gone through, yeah. that the Lord has brought you through. Wow. Yeah. That's just awesome. a question, when you're starting out on that songwriting journey yeah. with your church in Trinidad, um take people with you. Mm. Did you start, in a sense, with with an agenda, with a theme of, you know, I, th I feel we should be writing songs about this or that, or, or did you kind of leave that entirely open to the group and kind of see where it went? And, or, bit, or a bit about what, what, what do you find has been effective? Um... I'm trying to remember. We've done different things at different times. Like when you, so if you set aside a Saturday to get together and write, I don't know. I, sometimes a reflection, more generally, is helpful in terms of inspiring creativity and helping people see things in different ways. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know whether that can get too sort of functional of like I'm trying to write a song in order to perform this transaction rather than I'm writing in response to who God is um, which is which is a challenge for all of us as worship worshippers that we don't don't use worship to any other end other than to glorify God um, even if it's a good end healing or whatever it's actually for his glory so I'd probably lean to more towards like just get together, but really encouraging people to have a really fertile, you know, pay attention to things and be listening um, for where God is speaking through, you know, what's on the news or the book they're reading or a conversation they have in the bar, the vineyard worship retreat, you know, pay attention and, and sort of fostering that, that approach so that, um, so that when it comes to sit down together, it's not like, um, should we find a song to uh, rewrite? It's like, 
Oh, I've got this conversation. Like, every... I would say that every sort of session of songwriting that has been really good has started with a conversation for me. And it's been a couple of people, you know, probably three, four max in a songwriting session, um, you know, in terms of a group. Um, starting with a conversation is so important because it, it allows people to share their heart. And then what we're doing with songwriting and with with conversations, we're synthesizing ideas. I'm taking something that you've brought together with something I've read, together with this other song that we're nicking bits from, and we're sort of merging it together. We all do it, don't we? Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just you. Yeah, yeah just me. Yeah, it's very true to hear you say it. I'll add on that I'm a music teacher, and good composition is 60% listening and learning from other people. There it is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Yeah, Ollie. What's that, sir? We often get complaints in my church about singing songs too high. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, um, not a lonely that, club. Yeah, yeah. Is that often a consideration in the writing process? I think so. I mean, it, so I would say two things to that. Because when we did that project with KXC, with this amazing guy called Gabriel. Um, Gabriel Wilson was producing it and his whole thing was like you got to write an honest song but when you stumble on an honest song that is also congregational like remove all the roadblocks to people engaging with it and don't you know don't be worried about it being cool or being amazing because actually again it's changing that mindset from you know, I'm going to write this so that as many people can sing it as possible, so I can make loads of money and buy a big house and blah, 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 blah. Not good, don't do that. I'm going to write a song to serve as many people as possible because people need a song so that they can sing with an out-tune acoustic guitar in their home group. So then, with that in mind, then I think bearing in mind the key, the range, the vocal range, is all important. I tend to find that the range is the thing which can determine the key because the congregation only have a certain range between the bottom B and the top D, maybe the E, yeah. and that is the limit. So whatever the, the melody line is and where it fits in, yeah. that determine the key. Yeah, yeah, I think that's, that's great. There's lots of musical keys you can get from that. And I'd say on the flip side of that is this partaking worship thing mm. about, like, some people are incredible singers. And if we're, you know, it's like asking Lewis Hamilton to only drive 30 miles an hour. <laughs> you know, and, and we just need to embrace that they are incredibly gifted and they can let rip, um, you know, in the right context. And probably the right context isn't always the 25 minutes that we have on a Sunday morning. <laughs> it might be sometimes. But to be nourished by that and to encourage that and to release that, you know... Um, I think uh, so it doesn't become a shame thing I mean, that's all. SP um, if you were to start a songwriting community from scratch yeah. what would you do? <laughs> or what would you focus on? <laughs> <laughs> I would focus on um, friendship um, yeah hanging out playing table tennis um, beating Lydia at table tennis, ideally. She's a bit too good for her, um, her own good. Um, yeah, starting with friendship, at, like being the goal. We're going to go away, we're going to melt our hearts together and then um, set aside you know, intentional time to, to write. Um, but if the songs don't go anywhere and you just come out with great friendships... You know, or if you just had a two-hour session where somebody's opened up about what's going on in their home and you've been able to pray together, like, amazing. You've got, um, it's a sneak attack sort of tool for discipleship, songwriting, I think. Um, yeah, so I'd be aware of that, like, um, friendship. Friendship in terms of not, like, just inviting your friends, but it would be like, I'm going to invite people who... I could be a good friend too, and then um, that's a that's a better basis. Do you do you think that um, you know God writes us into history? Do you think there's a different transaction that we take on? So, like for instance, we 
we have to we we live then write he writes us into being wow first i love that yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> What's that, um, Maverick City, you say that, don't they? God of my present, God of my future, you write my story and you hold it all together. That's a great bridge, isn't it? I kind of want to sing that all day. Um, yeah, I love that. He's the author. Um, is that a hand over there? Hey. Um, so, I've got a question about uh, different styles of singing. Yeah. Um, so in collaborative, you know, songwriting, mm. there's a tendency that a type of, you know, a style of singing or a style, a style of songwriting mm. can dominate. Mm. Um, what would you say as an advice on, you know, incorporating all the different styles that people might come with? Mm. So for example, I've grown up in a certain way of songwriting mm. and then I might find myself in a whole different style yeah. of songwriting. And sometimes that could get lost, like that, um, I don't know, that style of singing. I want to bring that in, mm. but sometimes that might be difficult, mm. and I think it would be useful in certain Yeah. I think, I mean, I think it's your style because it was God's idea first, and it was, he was writing it into you <laughs> um, so that yeah it's definitely a challenge I think how to how to do that on a Sunday when you know the limitations of musicians is also limits us often to very bland music um, <laughs> let's be honest yeah yeah um, so I don't mind, I don't know if I have any advice other than just write as much as you can. Can and I just flip that round and yeah. say, um, how much do you feel when you're writing you should be writing to suit the needs of the people you're writing for, mm. or how much should you be pushing new ideas, new styles, and new ways on those people you're writing for? How, how much do you push the envelope as such? I think there's different ways to push the envelope. Is I mean, theologically, pushing the envelope. Do that in in close communication with your pastor. Um, um, in terms of the form and the style of music, I mean, it's not something that I'm desperately passionate about, but I believe he's given that to some people to be. That's their mission. To broaden that spectrum musically, um, a lot of producers will do that. Um, you, you know, start, like the form and the style and the genre and all of that. It it serves the setting that it's in, and I think um, yeah, the form has to serve the heart rather than um, the other way around. So I don't know if I do that, but I'm sure. Does ever do some people? People feel called to push the envelope with stuff. Anybody? I think so. Yeah, I think yeah. if you look back over the days of uh, Graham Hendrick, for example, he produced music in a certain genre that fitted that time. And uh, since then, we've all moved forward, and the music, the the, the the vehicle of music, has changed and has developed to suit the need of the day, mm. and will continue to do so. Yeah. Um, so the style that you were thinking about, you should introduce it because that's you're here today, mm. and and uh, so you need to bring that forward. Yeah, yeah. I think ultimately as well, you people either go with you or they won't. Yeah, we yeah. do either embrace it or it'll fall flat. Yeah, yeah. 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 I guess get your that answer. also stems from the friendship thing as well, though, because if you're writing with a close group of people who know you and you know them, they're not going to let your style just sit on the side whilst they do their thing. Yeah. If they know you and they know your heart, they're going to be like, well, this is, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So comes back to the comes friendship back to the community friends. thing again. Yeah. yeah. Should we do last question and then we probably need to wrap up? Right? Um, at Calls to Live For, Harvey was talking about diversifying the church, how through worship is like 
an amazing way to do it and a, yeah. probably going to be a really successful way to do it. And so I was just going to ask, how do we, how do we um, branch out sort of cult, sound-wise culturally yeah. in a way that's honouring to a culture that is bringing something new to our churches? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> great. great. <laughs> Good luck, Rich. Lord help me, yeah. I, do you know what? Do you know what? I, but I think that question is something that we all need to be asking. And God help us, lead us in, in how we do that well. And um, I'll talk about it. So who's seen Summer of Soul, the documentary? Incredible. It's on Disney+. Plus. Sign up for a month just for that. <laughs> um, but in terms of music being a celebration of a community and that having been sort of airbrushed out of consciousness in history, even though you know the music that's being celebrated, soul, gospel, is in, you know more influential than any other stream of music in terms of globally over the last hundred years. Um, you, you know, uh, I think I think things like that are really important for raising the consciousness of how we don't just need to have that conversation, but we need to actively, um, yeah, do something about it, pursue it, um, and in, and encourage sort of reflection. And the whole thing we were talking about the other day about remembrance is like coming to terms with our history is recognising the good and the bad. There's plenty of bad in terms of cultural imperialism that's happened in the worship movement, but in church. Um, you know, the way that the Catholic Church imposed themselves on the Celtic, it's, you know, it's, it's all across everywhere. Um, uh, so I think we need to reckon with those things and have repentance for where things have been done badly um, and just celebrate the gift of all the music that came out of hundreds of years of oppression and suffering, thousands of years um, and celebrate that. So I don't think that's an answer but, but Lord help us. Should <laughs> um, we pray? Yeah. Father God we ask that you would that you would lead us um, as writers that you would write our story you'd write in us you'd write through us um, in our churches God we ask that I pray right now you give everybody in this room the gift of melody the gift to be able to write melodies that are engaging that are creative and that people can engage with and that can give um, yeah give melody to words that are truth that are edifying that your prophetic voice so I pray for the gift of melody um, to yeah, to explode in us all that everywhere we look we would hear melody um, new melodies straight from heaven um, God that you would inspire us to to write songs that are courageous and brave and creative and full of empathy and compassion um, yeah Amen, Amen.